class got restarted today, and uh, it will. It is in classroom one over there. Brother Lawrence is is uh, in there today, I believe, teaching, and they will be uh, uh, swapping teachers around on a rotation. And uh, so we're excited about that. We're excited that uh, our our young, not real young, but our young people up to age 35 are in that class and I will let you know that if you are uh, 35 or younger you are welcome to attend that class you don't have to get stuck in here with us old people I should say older people the more mature the wise the brilliant the experienced the learned uh, maybe some better terms but uh, I do not qualify for that class. I am over 35, so I don't qualify. In fact, I was reminded last night as we went to see my mom uh, that uh, this August I will be 39. I'm getting real close to the big 4-0. How does it feel to cross that threshold? Great. <laughs> That's awesome. Cross 70, huh? Uh, so anyway, uh, but what it has done is shrunk our class a little bit. And uh, so uh, there are some, it may look a little sparse here this morning, uh, but everybody is uh, accounted for in, their, uh, in that class, and I'm excited about that, uh, excited about uh, them being, uh, or, or them able to have their own class now. Uh, we call it a uh, we had a lot of, uh, of them complain that they needed their own class. So uh, we're excited about that. Really happy Sunday school's moving forward. Uh, have a lot of exciting things happening here at Grace. And I'm excited about that, aren't you? I say the word excited a lot because I'm excited. I'm happy about what God is doing uh, here at Grace. So. Uh, so just uh, don't pay attention to when those, little, those younger people are gone and we'll be uh, okay, we'll have a good time. Now, we started a Bible study last week talking about faith under fire. When things happen that cause our faith uh, to be tried, that causes our relationship with God uh, to be stretched. The interesting thing about faith uh, being under fire, the interesting thing about uh, being stretched in your faith is that uh, it's real hard to grow if you stay the same size. Now, I didn't get any amens on that, but it's true anyway. I envy, <laughs> in a small part, people that when they were 16 years old, uh, you know, wars a certain size of clothing, and then they're 46 years old and they wear the same size. They, they didn't grow any. I do not wear the same size that I wore back then. There's some of us that are listening that, have, that don't wear the same size. As you grow, you get bigger. That's, that's real simple. The same thing is true in your relationship with God. If there's not periods of stretching, 
If there's not times that you go through in your life that doesn't stretch your faith or cause you to force uh, growth out of you to understand that through certain circumstances and certain trials that, that God is causing you to grow. The, the old adage and the old, uh, I guess, message that some people like to believe about a relationship with God is the pie in the sky. I'll receive the Holy Ghost and bless God my life's perfect from then on. First of all, it's not true. Second of all, if that was our relationship with God, then we would be exactly the same way at the end of our relationship with God as we were at the beginning of our relationship with God. We would never grow. We would stay the same size. So there's times, and we talked about it last week, there's times when our faith, there's times when our belief in God, our trust in God, our hope in God, the promise that God gives us is stretched. Abraham had to go through this with the birth of his son Isaac. He waited over 20 years for Isaac to be born after God promised him a son. And it got to the point where it shouldn't have even been possible for Abraham and Sarah to have a child. So Abraham's faith is getting stretched. And so it happens to us. And we begin to talk about uh, last week the story of Joseph and how his brothers... Uh, saw him and cast him into a pit. They desired, first of all, to kill him, but they cast him into a pit and wound up selling him uh, into slavery. And we talked about the different times of problems that come to our lives uh, as a result of just being human. But it causes our faith to come under fire. And if we, uh, if we can keep our faith, if we can stay strong in faith, if we don't give up on uh, God, if we don't give up our relationship with God, then we grow through these processes. We go grow uh, through these, these times of trial and trouble. And then we talked about, uh, Jesus told us about it was impossible in our life except that offenses would come. Uh, there's times when we are offended uh, by circumstance, by people. Uh, for those that were in men's conference this past Thursday night, uh, Brother Shatwell got up and preached an incredible sermon on healing a wounded spirit. And uh, even Dale remarked about it uh, after service that this is something that had been taught uh, just in the last week or two at our church. And it was taught last Sunday the same thing that Brother Shatwell was saying about offenses and how people respond to them. And if we're not careful, we get offended uh, not only at others, but we can get offended at ourselves. And if we're not careful, we can allow that offense to turn to God and become offended at God. And he gave some examples and he told some stories of people uh, and situations that caused people to become offended at God. And how, uh, and he gave a process and how to work through that. And, and, uh, and maybe one day we'll be able to go through that process. It's an incredible, incredible process. And then last week we, we ended talking about uh, Proverbs 18 and 19. And I want to read the scripture again. Uh, the Bible says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. 
Jesus tells us that, that in the, uh, the, the Bible tells us that an offended person is harder to win them back. It's harder to become their friend again than it is to take a strong city. What, Jesus, what the Bible is talking about is in, in the Old Testament especially, but even Jerusalem today, and, several, and many cities in that part of the world have walls around them. Walls were designed to keep the enemy out. They were designed to protect the city, to keep the unwanted out, to keep the derelict out, to, to make sure that you were safe and you would rest easier at night knowing that you had very strong walls protecting you from a band of an enemy soldier or something like that that would come against you. The problem is with walls is not only do they keep out the enemy, but they keep you in. And Brother Shatwell this past Thursday night uh, in, this, in his message preaching the almost the exact same thing I'm teaching. It's amazing how God does, but uh, he, he began to talk about the walls that people put up to protect them from, from things, uh, to protect them from hurt. It's the old saying that if a dog bites me one time, shame on the dog. But if he bites, him, if he bites me the second time, shame on me because I should have put a fence up between me and him. The problem is, and that's true, we do that, it's human nature. If you hurt me, I'm going to build a wall between me and you. You won't hurt me again. Okay? That's what we do. It's, it's human nature. The problem is, <laughs> with this mindset, is that the same wall that keeps you from hurting me stops God from using me and flowing through me to somebody else. He encounters the same wall. The walls of a city, they do protect you from the enemy. They do protect you from being hurt. But they also keep you contained. They keep you in a parameter. So when your faith is contained behind walls, your faith has a parameter. And it's amazing that sometimes we pray for miracles and our faith doesn't seem so strong and we don't ever seem to uh, have those miracles happen. And it, could it be, I'm not trying to, to say, but could it be that our faith is, is so small and contained behind walls that we have built to protect us from hurt? There's a girl that I work with this past week, month tomorrow will be a week ago, Part of my job description is occasionally I will have to do a certain part of the job that's not normally what I do. And that was the case this past Monday. And I had to work all day in close proximity to this girl. Her name is Megan. And when people found out that I work with in the office that I was going to spend the day with Megan, they came up to me and said, man, you're fixing to have a bad day. Megan was standing right here. She was just two or three feet away. And these people would walk up and say, oh, I heard you're with Megan today. I said, well, yeah. She's mean. Right to her face. I, was, I really felt sorry for her. At the end of the day, when it was all over with, we were back at work. 
we had gone out and done a route and we come back to work and those same people came up and said, man, how was your day? I said, I had a great day. What? With Megan? I said, she was very helpful. I don't know that part of the business. She was very helpful, showed me where to go, how we did things. Pleasant all day. And I'm not joking. She really was. Could not believe it. Just could not believe it. And I was thinking about that on my way home. And it dawned on me that Megan has built walls around her. And what told me that was the next day, Tuesday morning, I walked in and, and I was back in my normal job duties. So I was just going to see her for just a few moments and she walked up to me and she said, how's your mom? And when she said that, it let me know that she does care. She does have a soft spot. She does have compassion and mercy. She doesn't show it because she's built walls. She's had a rough life. She hasn't told me any of that. I can look at her and tell. She's had a real rough life. And uh, I'm going to embark on trying to even win this girl. She's, she's, she's built walls. And so where those walls do protect her from hurt, the walls do keep her from being hurt again by whatever's happened in her past. It also prevents her from getting out. You see what I'm saying? So where she throws up this attitude, this anger, this aggravation, I've heard her just absolutely just about cuss people out. But she does that to protect it's her defense mechanism. And that's the problem with walls. When, they, when we are offended, when we offend others, that's what happens. Walls can sometimes be built. And eventually, in Proverbs, the Bible says contentions are like the bars of a castle. What was the bars of a castle used for? It's a dungeon. It's a prison. And eventually, the very things that we build to protect us become a prison to us. And they hold us in bondage and in prison. And if left unchecked, an offense can cause bitterness. Hebrews 12 and 15, the Bible says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Look at what the writer is saying in Hebrews, that the root of bitterness defiles many people. Many people uh, have a problem with a root of bitterness. And just like any plant, when, when a plant is young, I, I have a next door neighbor that has a big oak tree in their yard and some of the branches hang over into my yard and that goofy thing drops acorns. And it's a water oak. And I don't know if you're familiar with water oaks, but they grow fast. And those little acorns will get in my flower bed when they drop. And with the water and all of that washing, they get under the mulch and you don't see them. And not only that, there's millions of them little things. I wish the squirrels would eat more of them. But in a couple of weeks, you're going to walk, you'll walk through one evening and there's nothing. The next day you walk out and there's a little oak tree about that tall. And it's got two limbs. 
Well, you know, if you reach down and grab it right then, you can pull it right out. But give that oak tree about 20 years and reach up and pull it out the ground. It's not going to happen. Do you know what gets big oak trees like that out the ground? Major storms. A hurricane. That's what, that's what dislodges those big, massive trees. And same seems to be with the root of bitterness. If we can catch that bitterness when it's still in the offense stage, if we can catch it just as it begins to germinate, uh, if we can catch it just as it begins to grow and you realize all of a sudden it dawns on you or you're quickened by the Spirit of God that I have a grievance, I have an offense with this person, and it's causing me uh, to become bitter. Just the very sight of them makes me angry. Does anybody ever had that problem? Appreciate the honesty. There's sometimes when you see somebody, you could just, boy, I just don't like that person. If, that, if you have that problem, there could be a root of bitterness growing, and you need to take care of that. Because the longer you grow it, the harder it gets to get rid of it. And eventually, if you continue to serve God and pray that God help you, He will. But He also knows it's going to take a major storm to uproot that. So we need to take care of these things when they're young. Uh, I've, I've seen people that will nurse. We all know people like this. Hopefully it's none of us in here that nurse these things. We water them. Do that by getting on the phone and talking about oh so-and-so and allowing that just to seethe inside of you. And there's a situation that I know of right now. Uh, there's a lady uh, that I am related to that lives in a house and, and her very next door neighbor does not like Pentecostal people. And this goes back 25 plus years. She don't like them. She hates them. Don't care who you are. She hates them. So she went out and built a fence about as long as this front part of the platform, maybe just a little bit longer, maybe to the edge of that pew over there. She built a six-foot wooden fence that long right beside this person's house so that this lady does not have to look out and see anybody getting in or out of the car on the carport at this, other, this Pentecostal person's house. She hates Pentecostal people that much. It's dumb. Okay? I'll just be honest. It's so dumb. But anyway, it's bitterness. It's gotten rooted. And now it's grown to the point that if this lady ever wanted to get rid of it, it would probably take a major situation in order to deal with that. So we need to deal with it quickly. They're harder to pull up once they get old, older. And as long as they stay in there, they, they grow and they, they dig deeper and deeper. Brother Shatwell told an incredible, mess, uh, an incredible part of the sermon uh, Thursday night on dealing with this, that there was a, a, a man in his office and uh, Brother Billy was there, Brother Nixon was there, uh, can testify that this is true. He said there was a man that he was going through a process of trying to uproot some bitterness out of his uh, out of him and it had grown so deep that uh, that in this service or in this moment that they had that God reached in 
and removed this bitterness, this root of bitterness, and the man physically threw up in his office. That had gotten so deep it caused that man to physically get sick to get rid of it. We've got to take care of these things early. Early. Bitterness is an unfulfilled revenge. We love revenge. Revenge is sweet. Revenge is wonderful. When we get somebody back, or when we get ahead, if you hit me, I hit you back. If you talk about me, I talk about you. We all know how that works. It's revenge. Character assassination is revenge. You know, you find out somebody said something about you, well, let me tell you about them. And we start pointing out all their faults and failures. It's revenge. The Bible says that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Do you know why God has reserved revenge for himself? Because he knows how sweet it is. But he'll take care of it. So we don't uh, give in to revenge, try to get rid of bitterness before it gets started, before it gets rooted. And that we can become bitter if we don't get rid of unchecked offenses. What about the story of Joseph? What would have happened? How would that story have ended had Joseph gotten offended or gotten angry at his brothers for what they did? How would it have affected their future? How would it have affected the future of his family? How would it have affected his future if when uh, he was sold into slavery unjustified? They didn't have a right to do that. He had done nothing wrong but share with them his dream. But they hated him anyway, and they were offended at him anyway, and they sold him into slavery. And so what if Joseph had stooped to their level and gotten offended and said, you know what, bless God, show you. I ain't going to do anything. Give up my relationship with God. I've seen so many people at church get offended, and the first thing they do is quit church. God didn't offend you. Okay. But what if Joseph had done that? I'm going to give up my relationship with God. I'm not going to interpret the dreams of the baker and the butler. I'm not going to do any of those things. He would have stayed in prison probably the rest of his life. But instead, I'm sure he was disappointed. I'm sure he was offended at his brothers for a while. I'm sure they hurt his feelings. But he was able to uproot that in its early stages and then uh, to, to live for God anyway in his faith. And all of this, his faith didn't fail him. And all of this even though he was coming under uh, uh, this, this attack or, and this fire from all sides, his, face, his faith didn't fail him. He had lost his inheritance. He lost his freedom. He was now a slave. He was now under bondage. He was now in captivity. He didn't have freedom anymore. He didn't have an inheritance anymore. Israel wasn't a poor man and he stood to gain a certain amount of of, of flocks and a certain amount of money and a certain amount of property and a certain amount of prestige and, and he, he stood to gain all of that. 
But because he was treated unjustly, because he was treated unfairly, he lost that. And I'm sure in the 11 or so years that Joseph spent in prison, that was unfair. And we'll get into that uh, later on. But uh, I'm sure all of that came to his mind. But he did not allow himself to become offended. Not Not with his brothers. He didn't allow himself to become offended with Potiphar with Potiphar's wife, he wasn't offended by his own self, and he did not get offended at God. Brother Shatwell, again, it's amazing, I'll keep referring to him, this message that he preached Thursday night, it was incredible, and it was along this very line, Uh, he was talking about when people forgive God. And I've already used the analogy that that there was a time in my life that after uh, my dad passed away when I was 12, and uh, I held a grievance against God for that. I was bitter at God. I was aggravated with God. He could have stopped it. My dad was a home missionary, pastored a church. He was doing the work of God. He was given everything he had. He had sacrificed basically all of his adult life for the work of God and pastored uh, two different churches and had, uh, had preached in so many messages in so many places. And so why at age 44 did he die? I had a problem. And I remember uh, years, ago, years ago now, it was many years later in my early 20s, uh, when I got back in church and prayed back through, before I met Sister Christie, I was spiritual. <laughs> and uh, I would go up to the church by myself at night and pray. And one night I was by myself, I was in church in Baker, and I'm not trying to get out of boys and pats on the backs, I'm just telling you. And I was kneeling at the front, the front pew in church in Baker, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night, and I was just pouring my heart out with God, and all of that emotion came to the surface. All of those feelings came back to the surface. And finally... I had never heard Brother Shatwell. I wish I had heard it by then, but I didn't. Finally, I just, in a moment of desperation, I said, God, I forgive you for taking my daddy. And when I did, it wasn't that that hour. It wasn't the next day. It was immediately. It felt like a ton of bricks lifted off of my shoulders. Worship became easy. Praise was easy. You could magnify God. I felt such a freedom, such a liberty, because now the walls that I had built between me and God that was to keep God from offending me again were down and I was outside of my prison that I had created. So we, we, we have to forgive these things. We have to make sure that we don't allow these offenses to continue to grow. Joseph, even though he was offended or could have been forgiven or could have been offended, his response was to forgive. His response was to not hold it against his brother and against those that had offended him. His response was not to hold it against Potiphar. I often wonder about Potiphar. We're going to get into the story of Joseph and Potiphar probably next week. I often wonder about Potiphar. 
you know, he was a had had position in the in the in the Egyptian government. Potiphar had a position uh, in government where he had authority and where he had a certain uh, prestige and where he had a certain office. I wonder how old Potiphar felt when Joseph became the second to Pharaoh. You ever thought about that? That's like you know if you're uh, the supervisor at your job and, and you have this employee that does something and you discipline them really hard even though you don't necessarily think they're guilty. You have to do it for the business. And then a couple years later, they take on the vice president of operations position. It's going to make you real nervous, right? But you never read in the scripture where Joseph ever took any action against Potiphar. You never see where Joseph hunted Potiphar down. You never see where he made him pay. Joseph chose to forgive, to uproot all of that bitterness when it was young, to not allow revenge and the desire for revenge to take him out, to cause him his relationship with God. Instead of Joseph rehearsing his plight and rehearsing the things that had happened in his life, to rehearse the offense that he had received, he decided to reverse it. Instead of sitting there and dwelling on it and sitting in the chair and stewing over it over a cup of coffee and trying to figure out some way to get back, he decided instead of rehearsing it, I'm going to reverse it. In Genesis 50 and 20, you get Joseph's perspective on things. The Bible says, but as for you, You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Unchecked offense becomes bitterness and it kills, but a forgiven offense causes life. Not only the life of the person that has it, but the life of those around them. They draw strength out of somebody. They draw nourishment out of somebody that is chosen, that I will not live a life of offense, but I will forgive people. I will forgive myself. I will forgive others, and I will forgive God. And regardless of the circumstance that comes against me, regardless of what somebody says about me, regardless of how people act towards me, I refuse to be offended and to be bitter. And not only do you give yourself life, but you give other people around you life. Joseph let God settle the score between them. Joseph let God deal with it. And during all of this, Joseph couldn't see that the very people that offended him and sold him into slavery were the ones that he was going to save in the future. Because of his refusal to get bitter, because of his refusal to be offended, Joseph was able to save the very people that offended him. What an incredible, incredible a place to find yourself that when somebody offends you, when somebody tears you up, when somebody chews you up one side and down the other and then spits you out, as the old saying goes, 
that if you refuse to allow that bitterness to take root in your heart and refuse to allow uh, yourself to be offended, whether it is a fellow brother on the pew, whether it is a family member, whether it is the ministry, eventually at some place in the future, if you'll, if you'll stay straight and stay true to God and, and your faith will stay intact and your, uh, your faith will stay strong, eventually, who knows, maybe that very person will be the person that you're able to save their life. If not their physical life, maybe their spiritual life. Had Joseph yielded to the bitterness and killed his brother... We couldn't be saved today. It's a strong statement. But you realize that one of Joseph's brothers that joined in the betrayal of Joseph, that joined in selling him into slavery, was his brother Judah. And out of the house of Judah came King David. Out of the house of Judah came Jesus Christ himself. So the possibility of Jesus, and I understand that God would have made a way. But Jesus Himself being born out of the house of Judah all hinged on the fact that when Joseph had the authority and the power as the second in command of all of Egypt over all the armies, and when he saw his brother, he could have had them all killed. He would have killed Judah, out of which came the King David and came Jesus Christ. So when we assassinate people in character, when we allow ourselves to become offended and begin to kill those others that have hurt us, we don't know the promise in the future that would affect us that we're taken out also. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the only cure for an offense. Forgiveness is the only cure for an offense. You can build the wall and numb the pain. You can pretend like it didn't happen. You can focus all of your mind's energy on positive things as some people try to do. Focus on happy things. But it will not get rid of an offense. For a while, you may be able to numb it. For a while, you may not focus on it. For a while, you may be able to put it out of your mind. But the only way to truly deal with something that has offended you and wounded you and hurt you is to forgive it. To tell God and to tell that person, if you have to, that I forgive you and allow God to remove, allow the Holy Ghost to remove that root of bitterness. When we forgive people, we release the power of God to bring us out of, a, out of a situation. Not only that, we release the power of God to make a good thing happen out of that bad situation. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And to them who are called according to his purpose. And we all have heard that scripture a thousand times and we love to quote it. 
When something happens, kind of a bad situation, and we'll tell our brother and our sister when they're at the hospital and their child is sick or whatever's going on with sister, you know, all things work together for good. Brother, you know that this job loss is, you know that God's got something better for you because all things work together for good. And it's true. The Bible says it is true. But if we choose to be bitter over it, if we choose to be offended, if one of you guys was to get laid off or if I was to get laid off from our job and, and it's not a good time and t- money's tight anyway and now all of a sudden this happens and you choose to get bitter and get angry at God, it's going to be real hard for something good to come out of that. It's going to be real hard for God to to maneuver and to work the circumstances to produce something good. I'll never forget many, 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 many years ago, uh, Brother Bunch had a job situation, and and he was flying to California every week. I'm sure you remember that. (laughs) We'll never forget it. Horrible time in, in, in their family's life. I'll, I'll never forget that. On, on uh, uh, Sunday morning, would fly out. Sunday afternoon, would fly out to, uh, I believe it was Los Angeles, California. Would be there for Monday through Friday, and I think about noon Friday or so, they would release him from his job. He would get on another airplane and would fly back to Baton Rouge. And he did that every week for about a year, wasn't it? Can you imagine that? For a year? Very few times in that year was Brother Bunch in Sunday morning service. Never in Wednesday night, I don't believe, but he wasn't uh, in Sunday morning service for, for a long time. And, and it was real hard. We, it was real hard on his family. I, I'll never, I'll, I won't forget it. It was real hard on him. But all of that circumstance, he could have chose to got bitter. And said, God, if you really love me, you would take care of me. Why do I have to leave my family every week? And I'm gone uh, basically five and a half days every week. And when you're at home on that one, uh, that one Saturday, a full day on Saturday, that's all he had every week for about a year. You're tired, you're exhausted, you've been on the airplane, and, and work has got you wore out. And, and so life got tough. But during all of that, he met a man in California and taught him a Bible study. That was at that time, wasn't it? What was that guy's name? Do you remember? Mickey Clemens, Clemens, that's right. Taught him a Bible study and I'll never forget, I think Mickey lived in Dallas and they, they both went and worked every week at the same, Mickey was having the same situation as Brother Bunch was. Brother Bunch met Mickey out there in, in, in California, and they didn't have family and friends and all that out there, so they began, uh, they started a friendship, and Brother Bunch began to teach Mickey a Bible study. Now, right in the middle of this horrible situation, right in the middle of, of leaving his family every week, uh, Brother Bunch began to teach Mickey a Bible study, and ultimately, Mickey flew from Dallas all the way to Baton Rouge and came to church one Sunday just to be baptized in Jesus' name. And it wasn't long after that 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 job situation ended and Brother Bunch did get a job in Baton Rouge. And and God took care of him in every aspect of that job. And I think he's still working for the same people or or doing the same job even today. And that's been uh, many, many years ago. But that's what God does. If we don't get bitter, if we don't let uh, these things offend us, then good things will happen. 
out of those bad situations if we choose if we choose to not allow the uh, the offense and the bitterness to take root god does turn those things for good and there's a man today somewhere in this nation uh, named Mickey Clemens whose life has forever been changed because of a bad situation in brother bunch's life you see how that works God is an awesome God, and He's able to do great and wonderful things in many different ways. Praise the Lord. My time is up. They've opened the doors. I've got a lot more I wanted to say, but uh, we'll, we'll pick it up next week and uh, continue uh, with our faith under fire to show us and hopefully to help us uh, maintain our faith in God. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here. God bless.